everyone. Thanks for tuning into the message podcast of French Church. My name is Alessandra. I'm one of the team members here, and we're so glad that you're joining us. It's been really encouraging to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening in. We really hope that our messages are resonating with you. We also wanted to say thank you to those who are contributing to Friends Church. All of the things we're able to do, it's because of people who donate regularly. Even small, consistent gifts help a lot. If you haven't had the chance yet to give, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that, especially if it's been beneficial in your own journey. To do that, it's really easy. Just go to our website, friendschurch.ca, and click on the Donate tab, or download our Friends Church app and click on the Give tab. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Jeff. Glad to see you. Man, I tell you, this place is filling up each week a little bit more, a little bit more. I'm seeing some familiar faces, old faces that I hadn't seen in a while, some new faces. It's just great. It's great. And uh, again, to all our online listeners and, and watchers, we are so happy that you get to join us no matter where you are. Um, so how many remember Extreme Home Makeover? Did, did, did anyone ever watch that? Okay, so back, this was like launching when reality TV was kind of kicking off. This was like a, a phenomenon for me, but I remember one Sunday, uh, Kathy was watching it. She said, Jeff, you really need to see this. And I, I, you know, I just took one quick glance at the show and I was like, eh, I don't think so, Kath. Not really my cup of tea, but for whatever reason, I hung out, and I, for those that hadn't ever seen the show, basically they tell the story of some families that have experienced some extreme hardship. Um, sometimes there's a child with special needs or disabilities. Sometimes a, it's a single mom that hasn't had hardly anything. Their family, their, their homes are, are, I mean, really primitive and rough shape, but they're just making the best of it. They're trying to. So anyways, this this team rolls in, Ty Pennington, and remember him? Uh, you know, lots of energy, that guy. And, uh, and he was annoying to me, but regardless, regardless. <laughs> they would interview these families, and they would find out a little bit about them, the values and the things that, that mattered to them, and then they would let them know that they're going to send them away on a trip. And of course, the family's freaking out, and and a you know, big limo rolls in, and they say goodbye to them, and the family goes away. Immediately, once that car rolls out, corporations, armies of volunteers, tr- volunteer tradespeople, they roll in. And I mean, sometimes the home is beyond repair. They just smoke it, literally demolish it, and start the rebuild. The family comes back from vacation, and they have this moment where it's the big reveal. And for anyone that's ever watched this, like... Oh, I didn't want anything to do with the show, but I caught the reveal. And I was like, Niagara Falls. I was like, oh, no. No, what are you doing to me, Kath? This family comes out of the vehicle. They move the, the motorhome that's parked in front of the house. Remember this? And the family are just stunned. And, ah, it's, ah, crazy. You see the army of volunteers all cheering and these people are losing their mind. They're going, are you, are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is our home? They, they take them through and you just, oh, you come to the end of the show and you just think, it's beautiful. 
when the human spirit looks into the life of someone who's suffering and goes, I, I can make your world a little bit better. And you see that, oh, it feels so good, you know? Like, who doesn't want it? They're just, they're just something about that that, oh, I was driving home from church, actually, a number of months ago. It was raining out, and I don't know why, but for whatever reason, um, I, I took a different route. I came into our community a different way. I'm driving through a, a school zone, and there's this old, beaten-up pickup truck, rusted out, and the hood's up. And it, it was the only vehicle in this one stretch that shouldn't be parked there. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm kind of looking at it, it caught my eye, and as I'm driving by, there's this like kid, 19 maybe, 18, 19, um, and he's soaked, you can tell his hoodie's all soaked, he's got it pulled up over his hat, and he's, he's standing in front of his truck, and he looks at me with one of those weird looks, like normally if you don't need anyone, you're looking at whatever you're doing, but he's not wanting to like do one of these, but he's doing everything his eyes could do to say, can you help me? That's what I picked up. And so it was just enough for me to kind of go, who? So I, I, I pulled in and opened my door and just kind of yelled back. I said, you okay? And he said, ah, oh, my, my truck won't start. And I said, is it serious? He said, ah, it's, it's my battery. I said, well, no problem. You got booster cables? He's like, no. And it was like, well, I, I was only five minutes away from home. I said, well, hey, tell you what, I'll, I'll be right back. I'll just grab some booster cables. I'll come right back. And he's like, Thank you so much. Thank you. So, so I, anyways, rip back. Within five minutes, we have everything all hooked up. The truck's running. I'm pulling off the booster cables and putting the hood down on my truck, and he's there with his wallet. Now, he, he, he pulls out a 10. I could, I could, just a quick glance, I could tell the 10 was all he had in his wallet, but he's like, I'm sorry, I don't have more, but would you take a 10? I, I'm like, <laughs> pal, I don't need your money. Promise me you'd give back one day when you'd use this. Trust me. I can't wait to be able to do this same thing for someone one day. I said, good, right on. I got in my truck, and I'm telling you, I'm not sure who the winner was. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm just, it just felt so good to see him so excited. He's like, you, thank you so much. And he says, I live on the other side of town, and I came over to visit my girlfriend. She doesn't have a vehicle. Anyways. I drove away just going, oh, that felt good. That felt amazing. There's just something about being able to do something for someone where they, the response, whatever, it's just helping. It's like these warm fuzzies take over. Hey, they felt that before? When was the last time you felt yourself doing something for someone and you just felt that, what they call the helper's high? Oh. Maybe you're volunteering. Maybe you offered some money, loaned some, something to someone. It's just like, oh, that felt good. <laughs> that helper's high is not a figment of the imagination. It's actually real. Did you know that? There's something that goes on inside. Current research 
There's a lot of current research on acts of generosity. It's telling us that generosity makes us happier, that there is a psychological basis for the warm glow that seems to accompany altruistic giving. It actually is a thing. Generosity releases these endorphins, you know, these happy um, emotions that go through. It's just warm, tingly feelings. That's a, that's a real thing. Generosity kicks those into gear. It fights stress, they say. Generosity does. It actually makes you healthier. It increases life satisfaction. There is robust evidence that volunteers are more satisfied with their life than non-volunteers. This is, this is documented stuff. This isn't stuff that not-for-profits make up. <laughs> Generosity even improves your relationships with people. Again and again, they've proven that people are attracted to people who are generous, who are givers. Now you go, of course. <laughs> but people who tend to be selfish and hoard end up being lonely, lonelier, much lonelier than open-hearted people. And it's not just this, these physical benefits. There seems to be a very spiritual component to generosity. A number of weeks ago, I told the story that Jesus told. It was a parable, really, of a king. Jesus was kind of trying to take people up 50,000 50, feet and saying, let's talk about what life is all about. Because after our numbers run up, it's going to be like a king who's going to look out over a crowd of people and he's going to, like a shepherd, he's going to separate people into two groups, like sheep from goats. You over here, you over here. You remember me telling the story? Separating them all. And then he's going to look to one group and he's going to say, you guys are in luck. Today is an amazing day for you guys. And they're all sitting there going, why? And he's saying, because... I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. And all these people who were smiling are all of a sudden their smiles are going down. They're going, oh, oh, he got me in the wrong crowd because I didn't do that for him. They're all thinking it. Finally, someone speaks up and says, I think you got the wrong person. I don't think I ever did that for you, king. And the king says, no, you did. It wasn't for me exactly, but it was for some of these people along the way that you've met over your lifetime. It was these situations you had no idea anyone was watching. I saw it. I saw what you did there. And because you did that, it was like you did it for me. There's a story Jesus told again and again. When it's all said and done, these little inconveniences, these little moments where generosity could have prevailed, when you did it, that was the heart of this thing. For all of these reasons, spiritual, physical, emotional, relational, it should be no surprise that I've never met one person who didn't want in some way to be generous. I've never, even talking about the, the whole spirit of Friends Church, someone asked me the other day, we're out for beers, he's like, you, you are kind of a different church. What is it that you're really trying to achieve? Like, okay, so you're not trying to just keep people out of hell. I said, yeah, no, that's not our game. What is it then? I said, we're trying to make our world a little bit better. 
Really? Say, yeah. We're trying to teach people how to be less of an asshole. That's what we're trying to do. He goes, oh, well, that makes sense. I said, we're trying to help people live in a different way that makes their world better. Does that? And he's like, oh, I love that. I said, we're about taking water. I told him the story of the castle in the well. And he's like, if I went to church, I'd be going there. I would be going there. There's something that rings true of the human spirit that wants to be in the generosity game. It says, that is something I really believe in. But how many know that wanting to be generous, wanting to live generously in their world, and actually living generously in their world, two different things. Isn't it true? It's tricky. I'm not saying that to beat up anyone. It can be tricky. Generosity, you see someone holding up a sign for donations. I just went, rolled through McDonald's today. There was a guy standing, this isn't him, but there's another guy and he's sitting there with his eyes down. He's, He's in rough shape. What do you do? You know, one time, I didn't think twice, pulling out a 20 saying, hey, look it, get in there. Have... You know, have a couple meals. You can buy your breakfast, lunch, whatever. Didn't think twice about it. But then, you know, they start talking about how often these kinds of gifts, financial gifts to people in those situations often go to support drug habits and different destructive. So now I'm just like, ah. uh." And so what do you do? Do you reach for your change or do you just kind of, not today? There are so many different kinds of needs and causes too. How do you determine which ones are legit? How many have ever been scammed? Yeah, every day you're watching news and they're telling us about the latest scam, playing on people's pity and sympathy. You go, Ugh. And then what needs count? If someone's unable to make their car payment or pay their cable bill, are those deserving of one's generosity? I mean, especially when you think of all the people out there that are unable to put food on their table. Sometimes I think about needs in our local setting. We live in one of the greatest countries and one of the greatest worlds. We've got healthcare. We've got all these kind of things. You're going, geez, think about all the people outside of our country that seem to need it way worse. And what if someone's needs are actually somehow self-induced? Like... There's been some irresponsible spending. Perhaps they misused the resources in some way. And, you know, maybe it was an addiction that led them down that path, some sort. Should that disqualify them or disqualify generosity in some way? It's tricky, isn't it? And then, of course, there's those ungrateful responses that you can get. You know, someone says, is that all you can do? You ever had that? It's like, ah, no, I don't want that. Can you give me this instead? (laughs) You're making this hard. You ever have those moments when you've stepped out and then afterwards you're going, why did I just do that? Of course, maybe the last complexity that I'll just mention is knowing how much. How much do you give? What's the right amount? Should I commit to more than just a kind of a one-time thing to this organization? 
Should it be an ongoing thing? How often should I volunteer? Is it, is it enough just to go once, but now they're asking me to go again? Geez, I wasn't thinking it would become a more. So I thought I was doing a good thing by showing up once. Now they keep calling, emailing. And if I give a substantial amount, will that, depend, that create some kind of dependency? Where all of a sudden now they're expecting me to do that again and again. I can't do that. I mean, it's complex. Anyone that has taken generosity seriously knows very quickly it leads to a whole bunch of questions and challenges. Which is why so often it's just easier to kind of just look away or say, not, no, not this time, I'm sorry. Which is a pretty default answer. Over the years, I've had many conversations. It's probably one of my pet projects on the side from all that I do is studying the lives of generous people. Friends Church has been blessed with so many of them. Over the years, I've loved to sit down and just say, when did you learn how to give back? Where did that come from? Because what you're doing is uncanny. It's, it's uncommon. How is it that you do this? These are people that haven't just given heroically one time. These are people who have lived a life. And it's not just financial. It's in different parts of their lives, with their time, with their energy, sometimes just their listening ear, their willingness to step up to the plate again and again, to respond even in ways sometimes they don't enjoy. I'm just fascinated by this. I go, wait, 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 wait. What you just did there, tell me about that. Did that hurt? I've watched when some people haven't, have done this heroic thing and then haven't been thanked, been mistreated. Sometimes it's a spouse that ratted them out and said, they've been volunteering for five freaking years and that organization has barely said thank you and yet they still do it. And I don't know why he keeps doing it. I go, oh, I got to talk to him about this. I said, why? They say, I believe in the cause. They give me all kinds of different answers. I'm just like, whoa. So anyways, I've been listening to these stories. And uh, I'm realizing that the sustainable, generous lives. So let me be clear. Those that somehow overcome all the different setbacks and paper cuts and frustrations and regrets of giving who prevail, who continue to live out a generous life. I began to see these patterns emerging, going, whoa, they do that too. Oh, he does that. He thinks that way too. Began kind of coalescing the patterns. This morning, I just want to share a few of them, four of them actually, quickly. Um, Because many of these principles and patterns developed through some real school hard knocks. There was a lot of learning, a lot of regret, a lot of frustration, whatever, that had to happen before they figured some of this, these pieces out. And I'm thinking, man, maybe if I could save some of you the heartache and the hassle and lead you in the direction for those that have never even considered giving back or being generous, I would question it if you were here today. But, and, and maybe you're new into this journey. Maybe this idea of giving back in a way of, 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 of spirituality, taking water, we call it here, 
figuring out what it is that you have that God can use, the more than, the universe, the world can use that you have at your resource to, to pour through you to make your world better. If you're new into this game and you're going, I like it, but I'm kind of new, I, you, you need to pay attention to these four principles, four habits, because I think they can steer you clear of some pretty predictable traps that lie waiting for people who want to be generous. Generous people have a way of keeping their motives forgiving in check. That's principle one. Healthy motivations. It's human nature. Did you know that? To expect something when you do something for someone else. It's just normal. You're not bad. You're not evil. You know, you hold the door open for someone and you kind of expect, oh, thank you. A little bit. Now, maybe they're preoccupied or maybe they don't say anything. And it's kind of like it irks you a bit. Yeah, that's a normal reaction. Sometimes you say hello, and even if someone just smiles, it's a reaction. You're doing something to make someone's life a little bit better. You expect them to respond, acknowledge, whatever. But if personal gratification, those warm fuzzies that I was talking about, become more and more the motivation behind your generosity, it's a short game period. The warm fuzzies are always the cherry on top, but so often the vets, the sustainable, generous lives that have been lived, they're the ones that will tell you. It's a very short short game if you think you're going to get properly thanked, acknowledged, you're going to get the buzz every time you're generous. It doesn't happen. They all say that. If that's why you're giving, get out of the game because it's short. Some acts of generosity just don't get acknowledged. They don't get celebrated. But that doesn't mean they weren't important or needed or significant, period. Jesus was very quick to warn people about their motivations. He says, watch out. Don't get caught in this thing. You start doing your good deeds for public attention, recognition, you know, there's, there's this in sinister side of some of the public corporate philanthropy that goes on in the world. I watch golf at the end of every tournament. The CEO of the corporations that are sponsoring the tournament stand up with their big check and they present to this not-for-profit foundation millions of dollars. But they got their logo all over the place. They're going, hey, check it out. We're good. We're nice, trust us. You, you see a little bit of a sinister side that's saying, oh, we'll, we'll scratch your back, but what's in it for us? And that boils all the way down to the little things that we do every day, the kinds of people we respond to, the kinds of needs that we'll pay attention to and the ones that we brush off. Jesus says, be very careful because there are hypocrites out there who start blowing their trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. He says this, when you give to someone in need, you do it so secretly that your left hand doesn't have a clue what your right hand is doing. One hand is pulling money out of your wallet and sliding to this person, and the other hand didn't even have a clue it happened. Uh, he's not encouraging schizophrenia or understanding his split personalities, nothing like that. That's not what he's about. And maybe the metaphor breaks down after a point. But what he's saying is, 
no one needs to know. And if you can keep it there, if you keep it healthy in terms of your motives of just wanting to help, something beautiful happens. Something beautiful happens. There's a grace, and I'm telling you, an ability to be able to look past people's personality quirks, their relational awkwardness. Sometimes some people, because of such shame, they would never say thank you. They would barely look up. That's okay. Seasoned vets look past all of that stuff and they say, I know what I'm doing is needed. And I'm doing it and I'm done doing it for anything else. Another attribute of long-term or seasoned generous people is a strong sense of boundaries. They're able to say no. They understand their own limitations and they have a keen sense of when they may be doing something that rather than helping is actually hurting. They have this, this distinct ability of, of, of understanding that there, there is a limit to my acts of generosity. There's a fine line when all of a sudden I'm, I'm now hurting more than I'm helping. And it might be hurting the person they're trying to help or it might mean they're hurting themselves. For, you know, it's funny, I learned this. Uh, it was a weird experience for years. And for those of, of you that haven't been attending very long, Friends Church, um, the second life of Friends Church, which started oof, a long time ago, years and years ago, um, we shifted to this taking water to our world type of community that just said, we exist to make our world better. We started challenging people. How can we do this? And, and so there was individual acts of water being taken in, in people's own private worlds and communities and neighborhoods. But then there were these collective responses by our community. We began building homes in El Salvador. Switch student ministry began taking large groups of kids down into Mexico, building homes over their spring breaks. Countless homes. They built a soup kitchen that would feed then impoverished people down in Mexico. And they would, they would collect bottles, and still are collecting bottles to be able to fund that soup kitchen. We've re- sponsored a refugee family from Syria. Um, we sponsored an entire village in, in Guatemala, a Rio Azul, a 10-year project. Dumping, like, again, these are all amazing projects that as a community we've been able to do together because of the power of numbers. And we would then add up all the money that had been donated throughout a year to all these different kinds of things. And we kept track of this simply as a measure that says, this is what we value. We measure what we value. We'd put up this big bar graph. I forgot to include it this morning, but if you've been around, you'll remember the bar graph, but typically it's what organizations like us do. And then it was like like what the French church community is doing. It It was like crazy. We were giving equivalent of up to 22, 24% of our entire operating budget every year to these humanitarian projects. It was so thrilling, so exciting. Then the recession hit. Giving began drying up. Large donors who used to write these monster checks to be able to help us do what we were doing, all of a sudden, were hit and miss. And we were in this crazy place of going, man, we've, we know what we want to do in some of these different parts, but we don't know if we can, we can cash those checks, if we write them. Remember sitting with a generous donor. This guy is one of the most generous people I've ever met. 
He's a vital part of our community. And it was right in the middle of this, and he asked to meet. And I was expecting when I came to meet with him that he was going to get in my grill and say, Jarvis, you better not renege on the commitments we've made. You better, you better make this happen. Let's do what we can do. What, that's what I was expecting. Instead, he looked at me, he said, dial it back, friend. You gotta take care of mothership here, this community and the needs of what's happening here. Because if you don't, and this sink craters, all that stuff goes away long-term. There is a time and a place for everything. And as painful as it is to say no, and as heartbreaking as it is to know that there's needs out there, if you don't, you are hurting everyone long-term. It was just so not what I was expecting from them. I remember going back to our board. Our board were unanimous. They said, we've got to make changes here. And we see them as short-term changes. Generous people understand that there is a need for limits a need for knowing where your gauges sit at all times. The short-term generous people tend to not pay attention to their gauges and give when need presents itself. And they try to figure out what's going to happen later. In religious circles, they say, God will provide. Maybe you've heard that before. Just trust. You give, God will provide. And though I marvel at the level of faith that some people have to do that. I think there have been many ruined lives as a result of some of that thinking. Not every time. But it's tricky because much of our heritage, spiritual heritage within Christianity, has been laced with some of that kind of thinking. Um, There have been entire chunks of human history within Christianity where these people, we call them the martyrs, literally laid down their lives for the sake of religion, spirituality, Christianity. And they justified it with scripture. And don't get me wrong, there are many passages of scripture that say, hey, look at you give, give believing and your needs will be taken care of. There's other times where it just says, someone smacks you, turn the cheek. Someone has a need, you give to them without any expectation of return. Well, you do that enough times. So over the years that I have been involved in these different circles where giving was this kind of giving, sacrificial kind of martyr giving was celebrated we were watching people all the time. Some were volunteers that were giving so many hours that it ended up crippling relationships. Some of them had such a giving thing going. Many of them became estranged from their own families, kids, marriages broke down. Some were left financially in shambles. And there was spiritual justifications for it all, but something inside of me said, I don't think that that is necessarily what Jesus was getting at when he talked about giving. There's something about being able to sustain your way of life 
Someone was telling me recently about a story of a guy. He, he was a doctor, very successful doctor. He saw this need over in the Ukraine for doctors. No one had him. So he came up with this illustrious plan. He was going to go over there, start up his own practice, take care of needs. Someone stopped him and said, Whoa, hang on a second. You're making the kind of money you're making right now. Why don't you keep doing that? and then use a portion of the funds that you've got to hire local doctors over there. The amount of impact you could have would be way greater. You can do this in a sustainable way. Generous people who are in it for a long game have a clear understanding, it seems, a better understanding of when they have to go, whoa, 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 no. I can give up to here, and then I'm done. Another thing I've noticed, and it's kind of tied to this boundaries piece, and that's the shift that generous people make in their heads around how much they should give. You know, early in the the journey, I know for myself, often the math of deciding how much I was going to give, it was based on how much was sitting in my pocket at the time. Or how much disposable time I had in the next week. Someone says, hey, can you give me a hand? I go, oh, okay, what what do I got going on? Yeah, I think I got Tuesday night. Can I do that? It was kind of whatever was convenient and handy and left over after everything was done. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Giving what you have on hand, awesome. But I've noticed with generous, the real sustainable, sustainable, generous people, it morphs out of that, what do I have on hand, to kind of looking at the bigger picture and going, wait a second, how much do I want of my disposable time, energy, all my resources, how much of that pie do I actually want to have given away at the end of the year? And they start doing the math on the back end. They kind of go way back and they go, wait a second. Before everything gets spent, before everything gets decided, where all my time, where all my energy, where all my money is going, before I just, I, I do it and then I only have leftovers, what do I want my life to be about? And if I'm going to give, what, what does generous mean? Early generosity, it's more of an afterthought. More seasoned generosity says, wait a second, next year. I was just with a gentleman. He, he was telling me, he was asking me just about his uh, a financial thing that he had done uh, giving to the church. And then he was talking about kind of long-term. He's going, here's what I was thinking for next year. And I was going, how far out do you think? He says, well, I try to get way out in front of it. Because he says, with my life, a lot of things come into play. And if I don't make that decision now, I'm telling you, there's a lot of good things that end up taking my money. He said, this is just a principle of it. But this isn't just money. This is our time. This is our energy. I was talking to someone 
who said, my goal is to commit two hours of volunteer work every month. I go, well, how is that going? They're going, good. I'm working with an organization and they just put me on this schedule. And so I see my schedule right one year in advance and I just, it's wired in. I don't even have to think about it. It's so easy. I know a guy in our community who donated. He started, he didn't, I don't think it started this way. He got up to one full morning, maybe even a little bit more, one full morning every week. I would watch it. He just wrote it into his week. He works hard, and then he has that morning, and he gives, gives back to kids, gives back to his community. Wire it right in. These are the practices of sustainably generous people who don't get caught in the end going, ah, sorry, man. I got no change in my truck. They're thinking ahead. I... I have one woman, actually there's one person who's telling me that they, outside of kind of their financial allotments, within, within the allotment, they look at their pie, they go, we want to be able to give away this percentage. And then under that, they told me about this petty cash kind of setup where they go, we're setting aside this little mini fund because we don't know what needs will get presented and we hate saying no when something pops up unexpected we want to be able to help it so we set aside this little fund over here and it's just our yes fund someone says hey i'm doing a cancer ride yes let me write straight i know where that's coming from i don't even have to think about it i know what fund it's coming from they keep that on the dial one lady was telling me she from her little petty cash fund she goes out pre-buys a whole bunch of tim hortons cards has them loaded up in her glove box she says I don't ever need to reach for a change. I never even have to feel guilty. I just, as soon as I see that guy, that, I just reach in there, grab that Tim Horns card, say, here you go, pal. She says, I know I'm not changing his life necessarily, but I can do something. And I feel good about that gift. I've heard so many, uh, one guy was telling me his wife keeps granola bars in the car all the time. Same thing. Here you go. Here's something to take the edge off. Sorry. Don't have, I, I'm not giving out money. I don't do that. Creative ways to be ready to act in the moment. Does this make sense? Yeah. Little, these little pity cash funds setting aside. In the end, it's like, man, they get to the end of the year and they're going, whoa, I got all these Tim Hortons cards. I got to get busy. And they start looking. Some people at the end of the year, they want to be able to look back and go, I'm not just talking about this. I don't just want to be one of those guys that are sappy watching Extreme Home Makeover going, I want to be that guy. No, I'm doing it. I'm living this out. I don't know what your relationship is with generosity. How you react to this, or what's going on inside of you? I, this isn't leading to some offering, just so you know. That's a, I, I always get nervous talking about. Money. I, I used to. I used to get nervous about money, but money is too big of a part of our lives. It's too huge of a part of our lives. Our time is too big of a part of our lives. Our energy, all the different resources we have at our at our disposal. And I'm telling you, we are living in one of the most consumeristic cultures we know. Every voice out there is telling you to claw and hoard and scratch. Hang on to what you got because you don't know. No one else is looking out for you. 
Jesus came along and he said, no, no, no. There's a different way of doing this. It was weird. He, one time he says, those who cling to their lives will lose it. But those who will give away their lives, they'll actually find it. He was onto something. There's something that happens when we step outside, take our eyes off ourselves, and just notice. I heard some great stories. I mean, it don't even take money. One guy was in McDonald's the other day, and there was a guy in there that had canes. He has his bag of takeout food, and he's going out to his car. A woman sees what's going on. She sprints out of the restaurant to be able to help him with his stuff. In the end, he's going, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. I've learned how to do this. The fact that she was just watching, I can help there, I think. It's a trained response. Something you learn, pick up on, where your radar is just going, where's the need? I want to be ready. I want to help. I hope that for you this week. I'm looking out, and some of you, I know your stories too well. You do this. And I'm so proud. We want this to be one of just such a generous community that isn't reckless, isn't responsible, irresponsible, but is able, long run, to make such a lasting impact in our world without cratering your own lives, without hurting your marriages or your relationships, without teaching dangerous habits to our kids, but raising them up. I had a conversation with this one guy, very generous guy. And I say, you know, did it get easier? Like when you made all your money? He's like, no. He said, I'll tell you right now. Some of the stingiest people I know are the wealthiest. He says, I'm thankful because he says... My mom taught me when I was young, if you can't give when you've got next to nothing, you add some more zeros to that. You won't give more. It gets harder, harder. So I'm here to tell you, no, not, don't wait until you got tons. Don't be sitting there and saying, well, yeah, that's this. He's talking about the business of the wealthy. No, I'm not. Because some of these people I'm talking about are not wealthy. They are giving people. We have widow, people who give like the, widow, the widow's might in the Bible widow that had next to nothing. Jesus points out and says, this woman is giving way more than this guy over here. Truth is, we can just keep our eyes open. And regardless of where your resources are at, where your finances are at, where your time's at, you can maybe, maybe start making decisions at a little higher level, saying, okay, I'm pinched right now financially. Probably the most responsible thing you can do is not to give money that should be going toward debt or anything like that. We're not a church that promotes any of that. But you can find a little bit somewhere. Time, give it. And maybe what you do is you start planning like this guy, saying, okay, I'm, I, I overcommitted myself or I've got way too much going on right now. That's fine. 2022, what's the plan? November, what's the plan? Reorder. I'll tell you this right now. You want to be a generous giver. You want to live a life of generosity because it, it, it is like no other. It, it lies at the heart of spirituality, and I hope that you would embrace it. What can you do this week?
where could you start? Do frickin' something. And you can thank me later for telling you to, all right? Have a great week, everyone. My prayer for you is that God will show you, keep your radar up, and he will show you those opportunities where you'll make a difference in someone's world. That's my prayer. All right, that's it. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Vince is up.